Hey, Valley fans, you're listening to the March to the Arch podcast. Is your team going to win? Make some noise! This is the March to the Arch podcast, your place for Missouri Valley Conference news, talk, and takes. Welcome to episode 15 of the March the Arch podcast 2021 season. On today's episode, we've got a great guest for us. We have Katie Mucci, Assistant Commissioner for New Media and Technology for the Missouri Valley Conference. You guys know her best with she is the voice behind at Valley Hoops and at MVC Sports. Also, as always, me and Baker are going to break down last week's games along with previewing next week's games, or this weekend's games, I should say. But before we get to that, how are we doing today, Baker? You know, we're doing all right. It's uh, we're, we're talking some Valley Hoops, so um, always love doing that and uh, coming on the heels of a big announcement for Indianapolis. Yeah, it's great. I mean, NCAA tournament saying, hey, we're doing all sites at Indianapolis. Well, it's not all sites in Indianapolis, but it's in the Indiana area. They're all so. I'll cut you off. They're all they're all going to be housed in Indianapolis, but I guess that they're going to get bussed to like Purdue and then University of Indiana in Bloomington. Like I guess that it's going to be kind of like everybody's going to be centralized in these like four hotels where like every team's going to have their own um, floor, yeah. and then like teams will get bust here some teams will get bust here and i guess that's how they're going to do the bubble what do you think about that it's essentially the olympic games is how i i see this now is you've got a, a host site and then you kind of go out to all the tributaries per se um i was kind of bummed because i listened to the media call and apparently the holman center might have put in for it uh didn't get selected so that's kind of a bummer for the valley but um i'm just pumped that we're talking ncaa tournament and that a valley team will be represented in it yeah, no, it's awesome. And it's interesting. You, what's crazy about it is, like, if you go online to, like, ESPN.com and stuff, like, Joe Lenardi, who does Bracketology, I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with, he, he's he got his tournament set up, though. Like, he's still not convinced they're going to have 64 or 68 teams. So he's doing, like, a Bracketology where, like, here's if, what if we have a 16-team tournament, if we have a 42-team tournament. So he's not even convinced we're having 68. What do you think? Do you think we're going to have the full 68 when we go to – Tournament time? I think it's in, the most interesting one to me is the Ivy League because they've already said, hey, we're not sending anyone. So that always that already plays with the numbers. And you just wonder as COVID plays itself out, you know, in, in the conference season, will that impact automatic bursts? Will it impact at largest potentially of, hey, we're not sending anyone? Um, I, I, I do think it's going to be 68 or 64. Maybe they get rid of the first four. Uh, for all intents and purposes here for this uh, 2020-2021 season. But, I mean, I feel good there's going to be a tournament, Baker. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of these leagues, like, it, it, I have a really hard time believing that if they're going to have a tournament, like, they're not going to – they're, they're going to take the automatic big from all whatever, 29 leagues, whatever it is, 30 leagues, however many there are. Um, and then after that, who knows, but, like, I, I don't think that we're going to be going into a tournament where your automatic bid's going to get left out. And then to your point, like, I mean, do they just go to 68 and call it a day? Like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic probably. And you, so are you, but I think we get to the 68, the full tournament. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm just kind of bummed because like, I mean, Dayton has such a presence uh, that's like the thing 
uh, for those first four that, you know, it, it's, Oh, it's, I know. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. It's an event within an event. And so um, I, I almost hope they go back to 64 so that, you know, Dayton can still host the, the first four. How far is Dayton from Indianapolis is the question. Oh yeah. Let's, let's have them host it. That'd be awesome. I mean, I, I assume that'd be, that'd be... it's, I assume it's in I'm the, guessing it's probably not within reach. Yeah, I don't think so either, but I assume it's at the Dayton Arena, wherever the Flyers play. It is it is where the Flyers play because uh, and, and you're right, that is kind of like its own like little event there is like just having those first four like the first two days like it kind of, you know, is is like your kickoff for the tournament. Absolutely. So, hey, I, I'm just glad we have some um, solid plans in place. I think just a lot of schools are looking at that. A lot of fans are looking at that. There's something that we can look forward to. I mean, we're going to get into it here, but we've got teams that are 4-0 in the Valley. We've got teams that are 0-4 in the Valley, and we've got teams that are 0-0 in the Valley. So I'm looking forward to diving in some Valley hoops. Right on. All right. And we are excited to have Katie Mucci, Assistant Commissioner for New Media and Technology for the Missouri Valley Conference with us on today's podcast. All right, Valley fans, if you don't know Katie, you definitely know her if you're on any type of social media because she is the person behind at Valley Hoops and at MVC Sports on Twitter. How are we doing tonight, Katie? We are good. We're good. We are Happy. It's almost done with the week. It's a new year. It's been a good time. Happy new year to you as well. Um, we've obviously had a lot of interaction with you personally and uh, through our podcast with you. So we appreciate that. So we're going to start with social media, if that's okay with you. Okay. Um, first off, a comment, not a question. Um, on behalf of Baker and I, you're awesome. And Thank you. Valley Hoop. <laughs> And you make Valley Hoops social media really fun. Uh, you also created our logo, which uh, we are very thankful for. So uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your night to join us. Of course. Thank you so much. That's so nice. So uh, with that, uh, kind of first question here, how much of your day is spent interacting, tweeting, or just generally um, on Valley Hoops social media platforms? Ooh, um, I think it definitely varies. I think on game days, it is, I would say like 80% of my day. Um, I think on non-game days, I'm usually trying to knock out a bunch of video editing or things like that. So it's more periodically checking it, but I have notifications on. So my phone is always in my hand and constantly on Twitter. My screen time is absolutely absurd. And I would never want to share the number that Apple tells me every Sunday, but um, it's it's a lot of my day. So maybe let, let's start there. So take us through a game day where there's multiple Valley Hoops teams playing. You know, what's kind of your, like, what's your preparation for that? And kind of what's your responsibility maybe for uh, yeah. the Missouri Valley Conference? So this year is definitely weird. I think before, at least, at least with like some kind of scheduled or normal content, we've been able to plan that like Monday I'll go through or Tuesday I'll go through after I do player of the week stuff and plan out like daily scheduled tweets and get those all scheduled to go up that day. Whereas this year, we're literally having games postponed the night before, the day of. We've had some non-conference games postponed two hours before. So you can't really put out a lot of stuff ahead of time. And if you do, then you have to remember, I already scheduled that. I need to go delete that. I need to redo it. So it's a lot of waiting till the morning of, hoping nothing changes in the next hour or two, um, and putting together some graphics for schedules and, um, and editing those. And then once we get to like game time, um, I usually have multiple screens on 
and live stats on for everything because live stats are usually a minute and a half ahead of everything. So I can like see what's coming up if something cool happens um, and then try to get to that live stream so I can cut a clip or something. And it's, it's hectic to watch, um, but it's, it's a mess, but it's a lot of like pulling up a lot of things, trying to do graphics in the morning and then continuing throughout and um, trying to share some of our school's content and stuff like that. But the actual in-game stuff is, is probably a lot for someone to watch me do. <laughs> so are you telling us that you kind of have a crystal ball that before we see it on our end, you get to see the live stats ahead of us? No, you guys see the live stats at the same time. It just is like a minute and a half ahead of the ESPN streams or any of those streams. Oh, and so, okay. so really you have a crystal ball because I'm usually watching we all the ESPN do. We all do. Okay. All right. We all, we all have that live stats link. Um, no, it is. And it's, this is such like a nerd thing for on my end, but, um, ESPN three, you can't back up on a live stream. So if I miss it, I miss it. And I can't cut the clip until after the game and ESPN plus you can back up and all sorts of ones. So it's like very dependent on what stream thing is on is how much I'm paying attention to those live stats. Like Drake's games these last week and I'd see like dunk tank. And I'm like, okay, good over there. <laughs> like, I know it's going to be a good one if tanks dunking um, and just things like that. And you can kind of tell like when a good, like a big three comes up in the end of a game. So it's a lot of like going back and forth on my computer and um, between live stats to know what's coming up because I'm not at a game. So I can't see it happen live on the court and then notes to cut it really quickly, which is what I do when I'm at games. Okay. So would you say the most of your work is, do you go to very many games? Sorry. In a, let's pretend it's a normal year. It's not mm -hmm. a COVID year. Would you go to a lot of games or is most of it kind of command center your house? Most of it's command center. My first year, so two years ago, we had tried to start up kind of a video series and we were trying to get it sponsored, which is really the reason behind it was to add a sponsorship element um, where I went to a game almost every week. And we did like, I think we called it running deep in the Valley. And we tried to film some like behind the scenes kind of story, whether it was, um, I think we did one night at Illinois state where they had like a theme night and we talked to their um, ticket sales sponsorship person. And then we had one at Evansville where they were doing like, I don't know if it was hall of fame or whatever. And I got to talk to Donnie baseball. I did an interview with him. Um, and just different things like that. We tried to do that. So I went to a lot of games that year. I was at a game pretty much every week. Um, last year I went to, I think a couple just because Mike Kern of our staff, they do, they did a lot of TV, um, normally in TOC kind of things. And I would just be able to hop in the car with them and they were, they're going down and coming back in the same night. Um, and just get a seat on press row somewhere and do that. But normally I just do kind of command center from, from the loo. Gotcha. So I got, I do have, so now you, you kind of brought up a question for me is you going to all these different schools and working with different people, interviewing different people. How often do you interact? Like, do you guys ever do anything? Cause I know you're representing the Valley, but do you interact a lot with the other Valley Twitter handles, like other, other teams and things like that? Do you, does like the Illinois state or the Southern Illinois Twitter reach out to you and say, Hey, we're going to do this one thing. Can we do it together? Something like that. Is that, does that happen at all? And, 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 and also to that, do you ever work with conferences at all either? Yeah, um, to the first part of that, it, I, I think it, I almost think it happens more on my end um, of me saying, hey, we're doing this. Can you interact with us or can you help us out? But there are some times where schools would be like, hey, we have something coming out. Like, can you just like kind of amplify it or whatever it may be? Because we do have a pretty good following on our accounts, um, not more than all of our schools, but more than a few of our schools. Um, and so we're always able to kind of help amplify messages and we, we're trying to do that pretty well. Um, but I usually am the one who's like, hey, we're doing this. It's about your school help us out a little bit. Um, and so that, and then at other conferences, not really. I think 
we had the Mountain West Challenge my first year, and that's obviously over now. And I think we did a little bit of interaction then, just because obviously the competitive nature of it. Um, with I was just going to say, challenge. is there a rival between Twitter accounts? Like, are you just thinking to yourself, like, yeah, we're, we're destroying the A10 Twitter. It's not even close. <laughs> I think, and uh, no, nothing like public. And I don't, okay. not, not me and another person either. But I think in my own head, I have like, who I consider to be kind of our peer accounts and um, who I want to be better than because I am a former athlete. I'm very competitive. Um, I work in sports. It's hard not to be competitive when you're here. Um, but nothing, nothing public, no, no taunting each other. Like some of the NBA teams, um, we, I like to have some personality, but I don't know if I want to go that far quite yet. I like it. I'm ready. We, we jokingly told Mike Kern, you know, I, I think it's time to tweet out to the big East that we have the longest, um, running conference tournament. I mean, I think, I think we can, we can say it. No, I think so too. Hey, we finished. We did. We did. God bless us for finishing that too. Um, so you're right. I sh- I can start that beef next week. I'll I'll see if it's yeah. a slow week. If we get a couple of games postponed, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll get wild. No, you don't put that bad juju on getting <laughs> uh, postponed. True, true. <laughs> so curious. So just general takeaways. You know, from what I understand, I mean, you don't have a valley background. Um, I I think you went to school elsewhere. What's kind of your just general takeaways of uh, Valley interactions from people on social media? Um, in the absolute most respectful and nicest way, y'all are crazy. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I came from D3. Well, I, I went to college in um, a big sky school, but I came, my last job, I spent four years at a D3 conference and nothing at all, like the fandoms and things like that that are in the Valley. Um, it was a bunch of small liberal arts, private colleges and um, you had some fans, but they're usually just current students who like to harass people online. It was never um, grown adults who like to harass. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Is that a shot at us? <laughs> no, not at you two. Y'all are great. Um, no, it's it's really, really fun. Like, I think that's the part of social media I enjoy, um, that, that people are so passionate about it. I mean, you don't want to run a social media platform or social media channels where people don't care. Like, that's... That's just frustrating when you're putting out content that you think is good. Like, you know, I'm not going to put something out there if I don't think it's quality, but then you get, you know, a couple likes or something because people don't really care. That's not how I want to work. So even if they're mad or even if they are maybe sarcastic or trash talking, at least they're still talking. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's, a, there's obviously levels to that. And um, you guys follow me on my personal account. So I obviously tweet about some of that stuff sometimes, but um, I think, I mean, it's great. And there's a lot of, uh, buttons on Twitter I can use to quiet some of the anger like referees I can't do anything about the refs in a game so I do have that word muted oh no way (laughs) yes it is muted in my notifications um so I don't see anything anymore but um yeah I mean I think it's it's a yeah so along those lines is there anyone out there that you have muted that um just tweets too much about the valley uh, I don't know that they tweet too much about the Valley. I think they tweet too angrily at the Valley sometimes. Okay, okay, sorry. Angrily yes, about yes. the Valley. Okay, good. Yes. That's what I want to hear. That's exactly what I, I want I mean, to you have to, like I said, I talk about this stuff a lot on my personal social media, but I'm the only person behind those accounts. Mike Kern, right. one of our staff, has the login. He does not log on to them. Um, I am the only person, except for maybe an intern occasionally, who's behind those accounts. And I'm on them all day long because I know things happen all throughout the day that I need to be cognizant of. 
and it is not good for my mental health to already be on my own social media and see what's happening in the world and that all day long and then add on someone yelling at me about something <laughs> I have no control over and will never have control over. Um, and so I definitely, you know, I've, I've muted people just because it's just not healthy for someone to have to deal with like constant negativity that they can't do anything about, but is never ending. So I'm not shy about it. I'm willing to mute you. I mean, you can keep tweeting. I'm just never going to see it. So if it makes you happy to tweet it, go forth and prosper. It's really unfortunate that you don't have the outcome of what 18 through 21 year olds are doing on a daily basis. I, I'm sorry that you have to see that all the time, Katie. <laughs> yes, good times. So, so I got a question for you. This is this might be kind of uh, this is a little more general as someone who runs a social media and and you're you're in it. You're in the weeds and everything like mm -hmm. that. What is the goal like? As a, as someone who runs a social media account, are you looking for are you looking for likes? Are you looking for retweets? Are you looking for just kind of being the general conversation, trying to trending, different things like that? Like what what do what do you look for? Like what are the things that yeah. you know to like the indicators to know? Okay, this is catching on. This is getting momentum. Um, I think it depends on the piece of content. I mean, the engagement I think is the biggest piece, which includes all of those things you mentioned. But I think. Um, more like if I were to pick out of the three, like a like, a retweet, or like a quote tweet slash reply, the quote tweet and reply are always the better ones usually just because people, that means like, I, I think when I look at analytics on my end, I'm looking at things and I'm like, okay, a lot of people liked it, but like, I like a lot of things on Twitter that I don't actually care that much about, but I'm like, oh, good for you. Um, and so I think for me, it's, if they're willing to like put it also back out into the world by a retweet or they're so interested or so engaged with it that they actually want to reply i'm like okay we did something good i mean po you know negative or positive whatever it may be but i think that retweets and just replies like that shows you actually like somehow are more so engaging with it uh, and that's the hardest kind of analytics to get that's the hardest thing to do for people is to get them to actually reshare what you're posting or um comment on it or comment along with it which i think but I think it's important. I mean, that's the whole reason I do stuff is to entertain people or to engage people. So got to do it somehow. So I'm curious from a social media perspective, is there like a, a GOAT account? So greatest mm -hmm. account that you hope to engage with? Is it like ESPN? Is it SportsCenter? How, like, is there anything in your mind that's like, this is who I want us to reach to? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think those kind of accounts would be cool. I don't think just like as a, on like more of a knowledgeable side, I don't think they really interact a lot with other accounts. I think ESPN likes to sometimes steal people's content and repost it as their own. But <laughs> um, oh. I mean, it's, if you if you look at it happens and sometimes it's just reshared, but um, they don't do a lot of like retweeting or replying kind of stuff. I do think on like going back to ESPN, I think it is cool when you get engagement with them in terms of like, hey, we like this. We want to put it on Sports Center top ten. Like that will right. take any day. But in terms of like accounts, I think um, some of that, even some of the NCAA, the March Madness accounts, really exciting to get, you know, interaction from because they're pretty huge. I think their followers are pretty large. Mm -hmm. um, I always love a good retweet from Andy Katz. He's got about half a million followers. We love that. Um, he just followed me the other day and I'm very excited about that. Oh boy. So, that is awesome. Yeah. There you go. Just saying. Well, didn't we but, have a, didn't you have a retweet? I think the other day from, or somebody tweeted something out from CBS. I think it was. CBS, uh, they retweeted a, a CBS Sports Network tweet. So okay. unfortunately, it was about Drake, which is what I, I tweeted out of my personal, which is very exciting. They retweeted a Drake highlight. Um, 
Uh, I think it was Garrett Garrett Sturtz's like weird floater mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's which one they retweeted, but it was, I know it was one of those. But it was about the valley and it had our tag in it, but it wasn't my own tweet, which is, but yeah, 1.2 million followers getting Drake's name out there. Dickie V's getting some help. Yeah, Dickie V has been very good to the valley the last couple of weeks. And Seriously. Keep it up, Drake. Um, unfor- you know, I, I'm going to be bitter later on in this episode when we talk about SIU Drake, but keep it up, Drake. <laughs> um, yes, yes. All right, so a topic near and dear to Baker and I, um, obviously the name of our uh, podcast, March the Arch. So you've been on the Valley office staff, um, uh, and so we've interviewed a couple of Valley uh, staff members, you know, specifically Jack and Mike Kern, who have the tenure there. And so I'm curious, someone relatively new to the Valley mm-hmm. Office staff, you know, I believe, what was it 2018 you joined? Yes. And you've spent a couple Arch Madnesses with the Valley. You know, curious, kind of your takeaways. Were you familiar with Arch Madness? And after you've been a part of it, what's it mean to you? I was not. I'm familiar with a couple of teams um, in the Valley. Vaguely familiar or not that I've been to, like, any games or anything. But I finished high school in Iowa, so I knew you and I and Drake just because mm-hmm. I had friends going there. Um, but I was not familiar with the Valley. other And then also Loyola's Final Four run. That was right before I started um, and was during the interview process for the job, actually. So I, w- I paid attention to that more than I probably would have had I not been in the middle of an interview for this job. Um, but I, it's so much fun. Like, just Arch Madness in general, I think it's, we hosted, my first year, we also hosted the regional in Kansas City. Um, and so I went okay. from Arch Madness to our women's tournament to like a, a little break and then the regional. And it was so interesting to see how similarly the two tournaments are run. Like it is not a huge change going from our tournament, Arch Madness, to um, an NCAA regional, which is a huge, huge event. Other than like maybe security levels and they have a lot more like back, behind the scenes like locker room stuff to celebrate the teams and have the team see um but just like how the tournaments run and the, and the people running it which granted jack watkins is running both of them basically so it's not like there's a big change but um our staff jack and mike and doug and everyone on our staff runs our tournament like an ncaa tournament and they say that all the time but it's so true like you don't see a huge change at all when you when you go from arch madness and working it and being a part of it to an ncaa event um, which is, it was really cool. Like it's so exciting to get to do, be a part of that and on both ends. And then last year was like, so, so cool. I wish it wasn't a couple of days before COVID really took over the world because we probably could have had more fans, um, if we weren't starting that, um, to get pretty worried about it by the 30th anniversary. Like it was just so cool to be a part of, like we planned for that since the day I started that summer when I started and, um, we had already started talking about giveaways for games. We'd already started talking about a new logo. I think I worked on the 30th anniversary logo a month after I started in 2018. And we started talking about um, our marketing stuff for that and what kind of content we wanted to get because we wanted to reach out to like Kyle Korver and um, Doug McDermott and people like that and not just whatever. So we we planned that for two years. And I think that was so cool to be a part of because it was such a huge event. And even somebody like me who doesn't know a lot about the Valley, I got to learn a lot because I spent basically the eight months prior to the tournament making like the MVP bracket challenge. I went through 30 years of Arch Madness championship games, finding highlights. And I watched a lot of them and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's just, it's such a cool event. I think the history is insane. Like these are things that you don't know about if you're new to the Valley. Um, But just seeing like the crowds from 2007 and, 
and Jack knows the exact number. I guarantee you, I'm sure he said it to you. He knows the exact number of people there down to the one. I don't, but there's a lot of people there. It was a sold out crowd and it's a record that's never going to get broken at Enterprise because they took out seats. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think it's, it's just so cool to be a part of that because there's so much history. And I know people say that all the time, like, oh, it's a historic tournament, but this really is like, as we, as we said, the longest running tournament in one location now, I think. No asterisk. Absolutely. Yeah, no asterisk. <laughs> no, it's been well, really hey, fun though. Katie, thank you so much for all you've done. Like we have enjoyed our interactions with you on social media, in person now, and then now on the podcast. Uh, so hopefully uh, the first start of the recurring guest. But I mean, you, you seriously make our days go by a little bit quicker on slow uh, business days. Hey. And we love interacting with you when the games are going on. So once again, Valley fans, this, is gonna, this has been Katie Mucci, Assistant Commissioner for New Media and Technology for the yes. Valley Hoops. And guys, go out to Twitter, uh, at Valley Hoops, at NBC Sports. Anything you want to add, Katie? Um, no, I don't think so. Go uh, retweet some stuff. Go like it. Go comment. Reply to me. Um, like I said, the word referees is muted, so you can tweet about me, tweet about them to me, but I won't see it. But um, send me something. I'll probably respond. I'm bored a lot of the time. And she is great doing it. So Valley fans, <laughs> I know you. if you didn't know her already, now you do through the March Arch podcast. Thank you again for joining us again, Katie. Thank you, guys. All right, Valley fans, it's been a big week in the Valley. So let's just recap, you know, kind of the, the Valley uh, player of the week this this week is Isaiah Mosley of Missouri State. He had a big week for the Bears. Um, he had a great uh, four-game stretch. He started off Valley play. He had four 20-point efforts to begin league play. And, I mean, he is just killing it uh, from a scoring perspective. He averaged 24.5 points per game this week, and it's just he did a lot for the Bears. Um, also, the newcomer of the week is Samari Curtis of Evansville. Evansville also had a great week, 2-0 and um, against the Northern Iowa Panthers. Um, also, kind of in Valley news, let's get into some net rankings, uh, Baker. So, I mean, Drake has skyrocketed. They are now 13 in the net rankings. So, for all the Valley fans out there, that is kind of the NCAA metric for um, the replacement of RPI. That's how they rank all of the NCAA D1 teams. So, Drake is a top uh, 15 team at number 13. Loyola is at 57, um, who obviously has not played yet. And uh, then Missouri State is at 96, and Bradley is just outside of that top 100 at 106. Anything, Baker, from the net rankings that kind of sticks out to you? I think to me, it's not necessarily – I mean, Drake's obviously the story being that high. But to me, it's the conference look. I think we were like eighth of the conferences. Our ranking as a conference has been moving up the charts as the season goes on. I don't want to say specifically because somebody will uh, catch me on that. But I think we were like up to eighth. And to me, it shows like the depth of the conference and how, you know, I mean, we have some teams in that 200 range, but um, for the most part, like the teams in the league are, are performing really well. So um, it's starting to show that we're kind of showing up more on those net rankings and we're having a little more success because what was it uh, a couple of years ago? Did we even have a team in the top 100? I no, know there was absolutely. a point in the season. I think it was like two years. I think it was like two years ago. We didn't even have a team in the top 100 at a, at a few points in the season. So it's like, 
this is at least showing, okay, we've got multiple teams at the top 100 and we've got a couple people knocking on the door. So it's, it's fun for me at least. And um, I'm with you as well. Like, I mean, we have a freaking top 20 team. That's awesome. I mean, how long has it been since we've had that? So uh, Drake, keep on winning. Um, that, that's pretty much what we want out of you. All right, Valley fans, let's jump into games of this past week. You know, normally we jump in into Valley games, but hey, we had a non-conference game this week. We had Loyola tipping it off against North Texas. They got a big win, 57-49. This was a match made out of COVID heaven with uh, North Texas's uh, Conference USA opener getting postponed versus UAB. That's the University of Alabama-Birmingham. It was postponed, and so you know what? The Mean Green and the Ramblers uh, tipped it off, and the Ramblers got a big win, 57-49. Ugok had a career-high 26 points, and this was Loyola's fourth straight win. Baker, what do you have on this game? Yeah, this game was awesome, um, I, and it's cra- it was a uh... – it was kind of a sleeper game that that I don't think a lot of people were talking about. Like North Texas played really well. Like this was a super competitive game, and and you look at the final score, eight points, and and toward the end, middle of the second half, toward the end, Loyola kind of pulled away and was it was about twelve thirteen for about half of the second half. But um, this was just an awesome game to watch. Really competitive, really strong play out there. Um, like you said, Ugak had the awesome game. Um, a really big win for Loyola. Um, there's not there's not a ton because it's it's a team that we don't know a ton about with North Texas, but um, it was one of those uh, one guy led the way for Loyola, but um, it was just a really fun game to watch. It was good to see Loyola play, and North Texas is not a terrible team. Um, I think they're Conference USA, which they're one of the they were one of the better teams last year. So um, a solid win for them uh, to move their record to seven and two. Um, I think the biggest question for me out of this game doesn't even come on the Loyola side. Why did Illinois State not schedule an opponent this week? And Loyola did. Because I think that this was a huge missed opportunity for the Redbirds. And I read that Dan Muller said he wanted to practice more. Man, I, I think that we missed an opportunity as Redbirds. But um, I give that – my hat's off to Porter Mosier for scheduling a game because this is awesome. Um, I, I don't know about you. The, the, this, is the, this is what our coaches need to be doing when they have a COVID cancellation. Absolutely. And I think we'll see more of this as the – as the season progresses and uh, I, I can only imagine we're going to have more postponement and we're going to have more idle weeks um, as the Valley reshovels the schedule, but let's move on to the Valley games. Uh, so let's start with um, the Evansville purple aces over the Northern Iowa Panthers two game sweep here, Baker. So start, let's start off with game one. So Evansville won 65, 61, um, this series kind of talked through a uh, kind of career highs for two different players. So in game one, it was Coleman's turn. He had a career high 21 points. Um, the big stat that really stuck out to me, Baker, was you and I was 0-11 from the three-point line. Um, this was this ended a streak for them of game straight with a three-point win, and it was at 665 games, Baker. It's been eight years since Evansville has held an opponent without a three. You and I went 665 games with a three-pointer, and it ended in game one against the uh, Evansville Purple Aces. That is the insane stat. <laughs> I, I, don't know, I don't know how to follow that, but 
Um, uh, jump, jump in the second game. Let's let's just uh, we'll we'll kind of do an overall talk after this one. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I I'll think this is more this. Game. I think the story is more series based for this one. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, game two, Evansville beat the Panthers seventy to sixty four. This is a record day for uh, Givens. Uh, he had twenty two points after Coleman uh, had a career day in, in game one. Um, Evansville jumped out to an early eight point lead. Um, it was kind of all Coleman uh, with those eight points. You and I tied it up. Evansville went up eight again and went on a 12 all run. You and I shot the ball terribly. Um, interesting stat. Uh, born for uh, Northern Iowa, missed his first free throw of the season. Um, in the second half, they cut the Panthers cut it to seven around the eight media uh, timeout. The largest lead was for was at 16 for Evansville. And then uh, the Panthers cut it again to four late. But Evansville just kept hitting big shots. There were normally threes. And, I mean, they just kept it out of reach for the Panthers. This was an interesting series that I did not see this coming. But maybe we should have. Um, like, the Evansville, I, I guess the best – got to start with Evansville because their guard play is really good. Um, Coleman, who both of I, both of us love him. I mean, he's one of those players that even last year when they were, when they were struggling was one of the players that you notice on the floor that was always putting that effort in. Um, at least I did. I, I know you've mentioned him before in the past, but, um, Givens has also been really good. He, he was, Hey, he didn't have as big a game with in the first one, but he, in the second game, he showed out with the 22. Um, yeah, this Evansville team, uh, Really tough, and it looks like Licklider is finally kind of getting his hands on this team. Um, we saw it with the Southern Illinois game, and it feels like he is this team is finally kind of morphed into what he wants it to be, and they're playing that way. And, and two big wins against Northern Iowa, I think that's huge. I think that's one thing to look at, too. And, and I'm glad you uh, mentioned Coach Licklider saying that because he said that in the media day. He's like, I love coaching these guys, so you just kind of wonder. You know, maybe a little addition uh, with subtraction um, uh, of um, DeAndre Williams leaving. You know, these are guys that have stuck around with so much adversity on this team. So maybe they're ready to play. And, you know, they they, they obviously bought into the system um, and they're getting some wins. This is their first three game winning streak since the 2017-2018 season, Baker. That's crazy. That is that's insane to me. It's like. It's been it's been a long haul for them. It's I personally I I, I find myself rooting for them just because it's like absolutely go through what they did last year and everything that went on with that program with coaching change and you know going 0-19 for your valley play. It's like you you don't it's it's kind of fun to see see it work out because I mean that that, that had to be some those had to be some tough bus rides and to see things kind of working out now where where they're winning games and and momentum's rolling it's good to see. Um, as Absolutely. for Northern Iowa, whew, um, I, I'll get the good out of the way first. Austin Fife was good again for two straight games. Um, so I think he's, he's started to kind of get it rolling. He had two double doubles. I mean, so he was, he was really good. Um, Burhau was, Burhau was solid enough, but is this team good? <laughs> I, 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 I'm not sure. I, 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 part of me is like, okay. Ben Jacobson is a really good coach, but are we putting too much stock into that? Because we are in a COVID year. It is going to be way harder for you to kind of redo this on the fly. 
as as we kind of thought that you know we thought Ben Jacobson really good coach we just automatically thought oh he'll figure it out without AJ Green like no I mean this team ha- had some depth had some depth depth issues going into the season and it feels like it's kind of starting to show with that inconsistent play after the top couple guys. I'm with you too. And defensively, um, they're yeah, not. Good. I, I and do. defensively, they're just not good. Um, there's no they, good way to say. Agreed. I mean, Evansville is just torching the ball. They torch Southern. They they torch Northern Iowa. I mean, some of it is a question mark on Evansville. Is Evansville good? I think they are. Or are they going through kind of a stretch that they're just shooting the ball very well because they are. I think Evans. Um, I think Evansville's in the immediate have... middle of the pack, though. I really do. I I think they're probably end up finishing in the middle of the pack, the valley. I don't think they're a top end. Yeah. Uh, and that's why it I'm makes me you, think but, maybe Northern Iowa's just not that good. And this is what Northern Iowa's going to be this year. I just don't know where Northern Iowa's offense comes from. And that's that's my biggest question mark. It, to me, it feels it's like – Sorry to cut you off, but to me, it feels like Northern Iowa's going to be one of those teams that's going to have their young guys. Uh, they have some born heist. I mean, they've got guys on this team that are really good offensively. Defense is where the big struggle is going to mm-hmm. be. But offensively, they're going to have nights where – you know, they're going to shoot the lights out. They're going to score the basketball. They're going to get in the 80s like they did that one game against Missouri State. And they're going to outscore some teams. And they're going to win, you know, a handful of games in the Valley. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't see this team avoiding Thursday. After this weekend, like nothing in those two games makes me think this team's avoiding Thursday. I agree because, like, you just kind of kind of throw, like, home field advantage out of the, out of. No question, and they they just got beat. No question, and so, it's and it's going to be uh, it, it'll be it. And you know what? If if he, Ben Jacobson gets them off of Thursday, this will be one of his most impressive coaching jobs because of how he had to change things midseason. Hundred percent. That's that's a great take, Baker. So let's move on to um, Indiana State at Missouri State. So I'll, I'll cover both games, then we'll talk about sure. both of them too. So game one, uh, we got Indiana State uh, losing 74-84. There's just not a lot to discuss here. The Bears were up 20 at half. Indiana State won the second half by 10 points. Prim had a double-double. Mosley had 22. Hervey had 15. Missouri State, you know, just had more turnovers than Indiana State. But the Sycamores could not throw the ball in the ocean if they were staying on the beach. They just shot atrociously from the field. Um, for the Sycamores, the the normal cast of characters, you know, ha- ha- carried the load. It was Tyreek Key and Cooper Neese. Um, but in this game, they just needed more out of LaRavia and Kobe Barnes um, off the bench. In game two, um, Indiana State 66, Missouri State 70. This is way more of a balanced game than the first one with uh, double-digit lead changes. So back and forth game. Um, but Missouri State took the lead with six minutes to go, and, and they didn't fall behind after that. There were, there were some – uh, Indiana State tied it up. But with two minutes to go in the game, Mosley put the team on his back and kind of hit three field goals. He had an old-fashioned three-point play, uh, which was good to see out of him, and just kind of put him on his back and said, yep, we're going to win this one. Uh, in this game, this is a career high for Mosley. He had 29 points. This was his fifth straight 20-point game. Um, which we'll talk about later, that got him um, player of the week honors. Uh, but more impressively is that he got to the line and he and 12 of his four, uh, 12 of 14 points came from uh, the free throw line. So Hervey had 11 points and Prim had 10. Uh, on the ISU side, uh, Miller Jr. had 17 points, Tyreek Key had 13, and Trey Williams had 10. Yeah. Um... 
I guess I want to start with Indiana State just because I think that's the interesting, the really interesting story. Because Missouri State is good, by the way. But as for Indiana State, they're zero four. Um, I thought the first game that the first game they just were outplayed right from jump. The second game, uh, an insane amount of fight. Like that game was an absolute war. That was one of the the best Valley games I've seen so far this year. Was the second game between Indiana State and Missouri State. Uh, that being said, Indiana State's played two really tough opponents. Like we've seen how good Drake is, and they played Drake pretty tough in that second game as well. They played Missouri State, who I think is pretty good, um, pretty tough in that second game as well. Um, Vance, how good is Indiana State? I think it's tough, and I think you led into it perfectly. They've played Drake and Missouri State. They're they're a top half teams. Um, I, I think we're getting to this later, but, you know, in the Valley standings, we've got a team at 4-0. and We have a team at 0-4, which is Indiana State. And we've got teams who yep. haven't played yet. So is it? it's not overreaction season, but it's, hey, Indiana State, I'd love to see a win out of you. Um, I, I, I thought you were better. I thought you would take one from Missouri yep. State. You know, maybe if you're not going to take, like, Drake is just playing out of their minds. But... I there, there's some question marks yeah, there. Yeah, no, for sure, and and we'll talk about their next opponent because um, it's going to be two desperate it's huge. teams, two desperate for both, two desperate teams going <laughs> yes. into that game. But um, I, I, to be honest with you, I, I want to see a little more out of uh, Tyreek Key because I think we both can agree Tyreek Key is one of the best players in this league, and um, I'm waiting for him to have one of those games where he just kind of takes over and he wills this team mm-hmm. to win, kind of like Isaiah Mosley did in that second game. Um, to the Missouri State side, Missouri State, Missouri exactly State. That's what so I was going to say. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is Tyreek Key has to, you know, see what Mosley did for them and, and kind of do the same thing. We're seeing that across the board, just with some uh, good Valley teams or good players find a way to make their teams win. And Tyreek Key has to do that if he wants to live up to his first team. Um, you know who, ours. though, is starting to kind of make a case for himself to be on the first team is Isaiah Mosley. Like, they, we can't we can't deny 100%. this anymore. 20 points in every game. I mean, he's he's playing awesome. And we he was he was really coming on toward the end of last year, but he is he's been awesome. And this Missouri State team, we've taught and I've I'm beat this to death, but the lack of um, expectations around this team, I, I thought to myself that could this work in their favor? And it feels like it is. It feels like this is Mosley and Prim's team. Um, and they are just, they're going to be a pain to beat every single night. And I have no problem saying this. I think they're going to be a top half team. No, I'm, I'm with you too. They've just got, they're, they're loaded. Uh, very balanced attack. And I just think. And they've got, and they've got, there. I think one of the best one twos in the league. Like there's a, like there's a lot of good one twos in this league and, and Mosley and Prim, there's not a lot better than that. We would have been saying uh, right, green exactly. Five. But I mean, and there are other ones in the league. No, don't get me wrong. But as a big guy, kind of guard forward type player, this is this is a really good team, and um, it'll be interesting to see how they go the rest of the way. It was because uh, um, you know you, you're talking about they've beaten the, the the one thing you can kind of take a step back and say they've beaten they got two wins against an 0 four team, and they've got one win they split with the team that's one and three. So. Um, Based on that, it doesn't look like they've played. They haven't played a top end team, one of the Loyola, Bradley, or Drake yet. I've been, I've, I'm excited to see what they do against one of them, because I think they will be competitive and hold their 100%. own. All 
All right, let's move on to the last series of Ugh. the uh, of, of <laughs> this week. Um, this was probably the most interesting series going into it. We left the series uh, not thinking that anymore. Um, just to recap, kind of viewers, this uh, series actually got flexed to national notoriety. Um, it got moved. The first game got moved to ESPNU, and then the second game uh, was flexed to CBS Sports. Um, it was SIU uh, Salukis versus the Drake Bulldogs in Des Moines, Iowa. In game one, uh, SIU lost 55-73. to 73. Um, Really interesting game. Just as uh, everyone knows, I'm a Saluki fan. This is an interesting game for me. SIU was up 20-10, to 10, um, and that was the highlight of this series. <laughs> um, but then Drake went on a run. Uh, so, sorry, game one. They were up 20-10 in the first half of the game. Um, Drake went on a run to close the gap. Then SIU went on a six-minute scoring drought, um, lost the lead, and never got it back. And and Drake was ultimately up nine at halftime of game one. Um, in the second half, SIU closed the lead to eight, but then Drake went on a 14-0 run and won by 18. Um, Drake shot almost 51% from the field. Um this was the most interesting part of the series, and I'm going to stop talking now. Baker. Yeah, oof. Um, well, we were wrong, thinking that this was going to be extremely competitive, and we thought there might be a split. Um, Drake had no no business with a split. Um, in the first game, if Southern Illinois doesn't shoot the ball as well as they did start the game, um, that could have been a lot worse. And in the second game, it was a lot worse. Um, I it, oh, this is a hard one because it felt like I don't like Southern had no answer. And it was, I think that this was kind of the issue that we thought might creep up on Southern Illinois this year was if they get against a team who's shooting well and who can score the basketball at a pretty good clip, um, they're going to struggle. This is, that's the, that's the one thing. If, if Southern Illinois is not defending you and they're not um, keeping you around that 60 point mark or less, um, they're going to struggle. I, 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 I don't see them score unless they're playing like if a, if they're playing a decent defensive team, I, I don't see Southern getting over sixty points much. That's just that's that's kind of the reality you have. You've got yeah. good players, but it's just not a scoring machine. And going against a team like Drake, who's white hot, I mean, uh, they're thirteen and zero. This is this is a team that's just can't Absolutely. can't miss right now. But um, Drake's yeah. awesome, man. Let's, uh, let, let, let's recap game two. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, get game two here real quick, and then we'll get into how great Drake is because I've got a lot of cool stats for them. But anyway, uh, game two, um, another just beat town. Um, SIU 55, Drake Bulldogs 86. Um, it was tied <laughs> to the first six months of the game. Exciting. Um, Drake went on a 19-4 run after that, and Drake led as much as 22 in the first half, but they were only up nine at half. Um, SIU, um, so Drake was up nine and a half, but SIU went on a quick seven zero run to start the second half, but then Drake took over with a 19 to one run and it was pretty much over from there. Um, you know, these are stats I, I as a Saluki fan, I just don't like saying, but this was the largest margin of victory against SIU for the Drake Bulldogs at 31. Um, SIU didn't score for 10 minutes in the second half. Um, but really, you know, just as a Valley fan, Drake is just so balanced. And that's what I think really makes the best Valley team. It's just a balanced attack and anyone can contribute night in and night out. One caveat, Baker, before we get into the Drake Love Fest that I do want to say 
is that I think it's interesting. The top five scores for Drake are juniors and seniors, whereas SIUs are freshman and sophomore. And I think this just plays into a lot of our preseason talk around teams is that the Valley is better when we have tenured teams that have players that have gone all four years together. And I think Drake is a great example of this. They're awesome, man. <laughs> that's, they're, that's a good – I mean, it's good, all good. It, this is – this is a great team. Um, I I don't know what to say about this team. Just how balanced they are, man. They're I. But hey, let's continue the love fest here. I mean, Drake is one of ten unbeaten teams in the country, and the first D one yeah. team to thirteen wins. They're sixth in the nation in field goal percentage. Uh, LUC or sorry, Loyola is seventh in the nation. And, I mean, first and foremost, Dickie V has the biggest crush on the Bulldogs. He gave him a vote in the top 25 poll. They were the lone vote, and he just came out and says, hey, Drake's got one vote. It's me. <laughs> Dude, shout out to Dickie V. I know, like, I know a lot of Valley fans that think Dickie V doesn't have love for the Valley, but, man, this proves it. Like, I mean, he go, he's going out of his way to support Drake. So, um, if you can't love that, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. But it's – it's impressive, and uh, and and their next series is going to be uh, is going to be a re- real test for them to see uh, uh, to see where they are. But um, so far, so good with Drake. This is just a really good team. I mean, they've got the the one question mark we had was the inside game, them losing Liam Robbins and um, Brody coming in. But uh, I don't think they're missing a beat. Like I think that changing the way that they're playing their games, where they're not relying on that big presence, the scoring presence that they would with Robbins, where Brody's more of kind of just like a kind of keep the wheel keep the wheels turning kind of guy um and kind of relying on the depth of their guards and just the shooting ability offensive ability and just running and gunning it's it's working really well for DeVries it's just working right into way he wants to coach this team and um it's I I hate saying this because Liam Robbins is so good but I almost think that this is uh, they're better than they would have been because they changed to because they changed from a team that was more centered around Liam and they changed to be more guard oriented than they would have been with Liam. It feels like that was the that was the right lever to pull for Drake all along. Absolutely. So let me put it this way and and I know we have an upcoming series that everyone is pointing to. But is this could this be potentially awesome for the Valley in that Drake has scorched it out the gate, and we have some great teams that haven't played a lot. Yeah. Loyal and Bradley, I'm looking at you. That the Valley could get some traction nationwide and just say, "Hey, look at them." You know, if Drake, let, let's just say Drake loses one to uh, Loyal um, this weekend, you know, they get some put some spotlight on Loyal. It was like, oh yeah, they haven't played yet. And then we've got Bradley, um, who could take a couple from Northern Iowa as well. And now we've got some teams in the national spotlight. Like I like the future. We're going to get into that when we talk about the talk about the upcoming games. Because I got a I got an interesting thing to pose towards you about that. Um, but uh, now that we went through the games, do you want me to do the power rankings real fast? Okay, so you can yeah, uh, you me on this if you'd like, but uh, I'll run them down real quick. Number one team I have in the Missouri Valley is Drake Bulldogs. I moved them ahead of Loyola. Loyola um, didn't play this week, and I'm sorry, Drake's 13-0 and and beat the breaks off SIU. So number two is the Loyola Ramblers. They they did play their uh, their non-con game, but um, Drake was just incredibly impressed. They're undefeated, so 
it's razor close. I still have Bradley at three because I think that they are still better than that next range. Uh, I know they didn't play, but I still like I still like how good Bradley is, and I think they're going to be a good team in the conversation this whole year. Um, Missouri State moving all the way up to fourth. Uh, I was incredibly impressed because I think Indiana State is a good team, and them taking the sweep in those games, especially particularly in game two where they where Indiana State led in the second half, um, I was really impressed with Missouri State. At number five, I didn't think I'd be saying it this year, but Evansville. Um, they, they went on the road to beat SIU and they swept Northern <laughs> Iowa. Um, that's a, they swept a Ben Jacobson coach team and that goes a long way for me. Um, number six, I still have the Southern Illinois Salukis, uh, as a non Thursday team on my power ranking. Um, they did beat Butler. I know they had, they ran into a, just a white hot Drake team. I think they're going to be really good. Um, and I think that they, they will bounce back in the next game. Uh, number seven, this was a hard one between the next two because I think that you can go either way between Northern Iowa and Indiana State. I went at number seven. I went with Indiana State because I was more um, – I thought that they played a more gutsy game against Drake in their second game and against Missouri State. Um, I wasn't as impressed with um, Northern Iowa. And then to my – and in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, Tyreek Key hasn't played a good game yet. And so they still have that to lean on as well throughout the season. And number eight, I have Northern Iowa. I just haven't been impressed with them so far this year. Uh, we, I think it's fair to, to give them a bit of a pass in this COVID time, losing your best player. But um, they are what they are right now. Um, number nine, uh, Valparaiso. They haven't played yet. We don't know how good they are until they get on the Valley Court. Uh, hopefully hopefully they get uh, through the tough time they're going through right now and they can they can get on the back on the court this weekend. And at number 10, I have my Redbirds. Any thoughts, fans? Uh, yeah, just thoughts. You know, usually when you start uh, naming these off, and maybe to our listeners, like I don't know these until you say them. So I start trying to anticipating some of your um, your teams, and until I started wavering on, hey, I don't know what Baker's going to say next. It was around okay. SIU Indiana State, and so I. I'm with you on Evansville. I think Evansville makes the cut line. And I think we're, let's always refer to the cut line sure. as Thursday night. That's always the cut line. Um, so that's, I, I, I'm with you on that. Just like with, you know, I mean, just where things are of teams not playing, you know, Valpo hasn't played. Mm-hmm. So maybe we're not being fair to Valpo because they haven't played a conference game yet. Um, but I, I'm with you. I, obviously, this weekend will be huge for mm-hmm. the SIU Indiana State cut line game because we've got currently SIU State or sorry SIU above the cut line and Indiana State below it. You know, big repercussions there. Um, but I, I I don't necessarily disagree with the only one I was willing to ask you about was here. having Northern Iowa at eight. Should I add him higher? Okay, I didn't think so because I was I was thinking to myself no. that was the hard one for me. It's like, man, should I have them higher? But like, I, nothing I've seen so far. Nothing I've seen here. You're like, I'm, in name I'm, only. I think eventually they're going to figure it out and they're going to be better than what we saw this past weekend. I definitely do. But how good is that? And how good can they be this year? I mean, like I said, I don't want to make it. I hate making excuses for teams, but they have built in. They have tons of excuses. They lost their best player in a COVID season. And trying to fix it midseason, it's it's tough. I mean, it's it's almost impossible. It's a it's a name only thing that you're you're beating yourself up over in a one week snapshot. I mean, I, I don't think Fair anyone enough. can really chirp you too much on that one. All right, Valley fans, let's look ahead to games on. 
Saturday, January 9th through Monday, January 11th. So let's start with the series. I think, well, me personally, but then I think just for ramifications later on this season, uh, let's go to Terre Haute, Indiana and the Holman Center where the Sycamores will be hosting the Southern Illinois Salukis. Both teams desperate for a win. We got the Sycamores at 0-4. We got the Salukis at 1-3. Yeah, so, um, I think Baker, we're going to split because game? I think both teams are going to be so desperate. But, God, Indiana State almost needs to sweep this series. Like, Indiana State, after the first two sweeps that they've had, gosh, do they need these two. And and maybe Tyree Key does get it going at home. And But, you're like you said, your Salukis kind of reeling three losses in a row um, after starting off 7-0. and So, um uh, this is going to be an awesome, awesome couple games, and I uh, look forward to them. I think this is the the series that I look to that it's it's not going to be marquee. But yeah, no, if, like if, if say Indiana State gets swept season. and they go to 0-6 so, in the league, like the odds of them going to Thursday are like through the roof. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll play the Hackman after that one. Um, so – um, oh, let's boy. move on to hey, Redbirds back in action. Uh, they're going to the Ford Center, <laughs> they are gonna go to Evansville, Indiana, and play the Ford Center for two games. Um, I think Evansville, so what do you think the outcome is gonna continue to roll? Bird sweep, <laughs> does Illinois State get one? Um, uh, benefit the wow, let's go split because I think. I think okay. Evansville has been, just been shooting out of their mind. And you know what? I it, It's sure. just you playing into okay, my so psyche. I think Evansville's um, I'll, I'll give them. you the split. Um, nothing I have seen out of Illinois State this year makes me think they're winning against Evansville as good as they've played in the last handful of games. So I think Illinois State's probably getting swept. I hope I'm wrong. I hope we sweep them. But uh, going with my head on that one, I think Evansville gets it done. Uh, next series, I think, is also an interesting one. Missouri State, who is relatively hot, um, they are sitting at three and one in the valley against a Valparaiso who is zero and zero in the valley. Um, you know, this is kind of Va- uh, Valpo's. They're at home, so they're they're playing at the. Arc. This is really um, so. Missouri State's here, been right? playing well. Um, that being said, you don't know what you're going to get out of out of Valpo. It's they've had two series in a row canceled. Um, coming into when was their? Let me. I'm looking it up right now. Their last game was when they played against Toledo, and I think that was what two and a half weeks ago. Um, it's been a while since they've played. Um, and Valpo was was kind of inconsistent. They had that. I remember they had that loss at Central Michigan. They probably won it back. They didn't play great against Toledo, and they got beat. Um, I mean, I guess Missouri State should take both as well as they're playing, but. Um, with Valpo, who knows? Because we don't know what they're going to be like. I think it's going to be an unknown because, you know, uh, Coach Ford doesn't have a lot of tape to go off of. So, you know, maybe, maybe Coach Lodich has, has something that uh, – I think it'll be, you know, it'll be really interesting because that'll be um, that'll be on the Saturday slate. You'll get to see a team coming, coming off of a couple weeks where they were idle and haven't played a game, haven't played like a non-con game like Loyola did. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be kind of interesting to see what they're like coming out of the gate. You know, do they come start fast as a kind of, it'll, it'll make you think, okay, so how, how is, how is taking a couple weeks affecting these teams? Because it happened for them middle of the season because they were playing before that. So um, 
it'll kind of be a, like a litmus test for us, them mm-hmm. and Bradley, as we'll get into with the next game. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, let's move into it. So, uh, Bradley is going to Cedar Falls. Um, I think there's no doubt in anyone's mind that you and I need to win here. Uh, somewhere to Southern, uh, both sitting at, at one and three, but Bradley's been idle. Bradley is 0-0 in Valley play. Um, you know, I have a quote from uh, Coach Wardle from the, the the call. is basically like, no one's talking about Bradley, which is fine. Um, but they are kind of using it as a chip on, their sh- chip on their shoulder. I mean, rightfully so, but, you know, I think it's one of those, like, we have mm-hmm. nothing to base any of this off of. They're 0-0 in the Valley. You've been sitting down from COVID. Um, I don't know what to expect. I, I think Bradley could win too. I think they could split. That's about it for me. I don't think Northern Iowa's winning too. So I'm with you. I think you summed it up really well. Um, and then the interesting piece about them moving the games, by the way. Do you want to mention that real quick? Oh, yeah. Let me, let me talk about that. Like, the one, like, I love the freaking Valley. Like, we all know that. But this was huge, you know, just with COVID and everything. This uh, this this slate of games was supposed to happen Saturday, Sunday. Um, Coach Jacobson, you know, saw what Bradley was having. Bradley was not going to be able to have a practice, an official practice. And I'm using air quotes here. Um, uh, prior to the games that were supposed to happen on Saturday and Sunday, Coach Jacobson said, let's, let's move it to Sunday, Monday. Let's let Bradley have a day of practice. And, you know, for the good of the Valley, you know, um, they did that. So these games are on Sunday and Monday instead of originally scheduled Saturday, Sunday. So this is, this is, this is why we're a conference. This is why you do this um, to help each other out. Um, maybe if it's a detriment to Northern Iowa, uh, giving Bradley a, a day of practice. No, my hat's off to Northern to. Iowa. And that's a cool that's thing cool. that the, I mean, Valley kind of working together, people helping people, especially during uh, COVID time. I mean, it's 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 them pushing their their team back. Before I predict it, we're we're if you have to pick it, if you pick split or if you pick sweep, what do you what are you thinking? I, I I'm really torn on this one. I mean, you and I sitting at one and three. Um, you know, I think you know if I was putting money on it, probably yeah. A split, I'm but I'm with you. So I think it's too. really tough, and I think for me, I mean. Defensively, I'm. I still have so many questions about Northern Iowa, and Bradley can, Bradley can fill it up. Especially when if if unless the only thing that's going to happen is if if Bradley starts slow because they've had so many days off. I think that's where Northern Iowa can, um, maybe pick up a win. But I mean, Spencer Haldeman, Isaiah Brown, they're not walking in the door. Um, and I think that the missing those guys defensively is it's going to be really hard for them. And unless Bradley slips up early in the first game, I. I can't pick anything but a sweep. Yeah, I, I think it's fair. So um, let's move on to the last series. Hey, Baker, we didn't talk about it. I All love it. Teams are playing on um, Sunday the 10th. Um, so we've got Loyola at the Nap Center in Des Moines, Iowa. So we've got Loyola Ramblers versus the Drake Bulldogs. Um, if I if I recall correctly, Baker, and clean me up on this, this game is going to yep. get on national TV. I believe it's on ESPN two. It got moved to it. Um, so awesome game for just the national stage. I think these are two teams that probably and maybe let, maybe let's talk about that real quick. Are these the two teams that if people said Missouri Valley right now where we're at on January sixth? Do people think Drake and Loyola because of the Final Four success, and then Drake is 
Um, yeah. Obviously, 13-0 yeah. and getting a lot is, of uh, notoriety. This is the marquee game. I, I love the fact that it got shifted to ESPN2, but I, had, I, I wanted to bring something up to you. And this is something I've been kind of going back and forth on. So I don't have, I don't have like a hard, I'm not, I'm not one way or the other, like in firm on this at all, but is it better for the Valley for Drake to win both of these games and stay in the top 10 or the top 15 of the net rankings? Or is it better that Loyola gets one of these two? Because it's a, it's an interesting question because if you look at Loyola's resume, can a win against Drake, if Drake continues to play well and, you know, stays in maybe the top 25, top 30, um, would they still have a resume that would maybe, you know, sniff an at-large bid themselves? Or is Drake still the only team in the Valley that you would be able to hang an at-large on? Um, I'd pose that question to you. It's, it's been something I've kind of been going back and forth on. Yeah, it's an interesting question, Baker. Um, So right now, net rankings, Drake's 13, Loyal is 57. Um, I think a split here Mm -hmm. is ideal in their close games because people forget Loyola's losses are to number – or at Mm -hmm. the time, 12, Wisconsin, and then Richmond, who I think could be a a that-large team. And so we need – if they're going to split now, Loyola needs to – Mm-hmm. Drake and Loyola need to be one and two in the Valley and make it to the semifinals. And I think that there's going to keep enough of national notoriety with them um, going, um, you know, whether it's Drake at one, you know, with, you know, whatever mm-hmm. they're, they're going to be going into with one loss in conference um, season. But um, I think Drake probably has to watch it to not pile up any losses outside of, three yeah because um, they're non-con get outside of that um, large conversation i i'll say this drake cannot afford to get swept if they want any thought of, if they want any thought of an at-large they cannot oh get yes 100 um because that'll crush their net ranking i want i and i don't know the i haven't really dug too far into the net rankings i wonder how much a loss in if a split how badly it hurts one or the other um i, I mean if, if loyola gets one of these two obviously it's gonna help them but how much would it hurt Drake to lose one of the two? So um, to me, I, I think that Drake gets their first loss in this series. Um, I It's really hard to pick against Drake because as white hot as they are, but um, I think Loyola is that good. I really think Loyola is a very good team, and I think they get a split here. Yeah, and, and I think that we have to – like and I hate to say it this way is just cause I know we're really just sitting out there with no Valley games. Like, I think that's the, that's the question mark there is that, you know, even if they were playing Bradley right now, I'd say, I think as a conference, we're probably hoping for a split yeah. so that there's, you know, a good win and yeah. a good loss, you know, come, come resume season. Um, but it's, it's, it's scary, scary, and I say this in air quotes. Second time in the podcast, I'm saying air quotes, but um, you know, we're kind of like thinking through. It's, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. We're thinking correct. through scenarios with correct. Drake and man, and, and the one Bradley thought about right. that is, is you bring up a really good point, bringing Bradley into the mix. Um, Bradley's still going to play both of these teams later. Do you want to have as Bradley? Do you want them to have a split, and then maybe both exactly. of them be in that top fifty range? 
when Bradley plays them. So then you get kind of that quad one win an mm-hmm. opportunity for Bradley as well. Cause Bradley's played a decent schedule so far. Um, they've got what three, they've got what three, they've got three, three losses, but none yeah. of their losses were to their teams. I mean, South Dakota state's not a bad schedule. team and Xavier and Missouri are both good team, both games. They should have won by the way, but um you know, Bradley's right there in that conversation too. And you never know with the, with, with the, with everything going on with COVID. I mean, stranger things have happened. The Valley could, the Valley could have three teams that are, you know, at least sniffing that at large area, or at least sniffing the top 50, 60 teams in the net rankings. So yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, I think, I think you kind of convinced me that maybe the split is the best thing for the league. It's a great conversation that we're having because I would say a non-con, sure. like we were done. Whereas like we're a one bid team. There's nothing that the Valley can do, but Drake kept winning. And it's one of those, I don't want to cannibalize Drake by any means, but if, if to get if, two bids in there, we're going to have to at some point. And is, is this the weekend or is it, you know, no, honestly, and at this point, if they do sweep this series and they're gonna and they go eighteen and zero, and then losing losing the quarterfinals, that's fine with me. And then we'll get two bits, and then and maybe Illinois State yeah, and, State uh, jumps I mean, through. We, and we would and hope they Sunday. would be <laughs> someday in my someday in my life. All right, that's been all right. That's been previewing uh, the Valley games on. January 9th through the 11th. This has been episode 15 of the March the Arch podcast in this 2020-2020 season. On today's episode, we had a really fun one. We talked to social media guru for Valley Hoops, Katie Muji. Um, It was a great conversation to talk through what social media landscape is like for the Missouri Valley Conference. We also broke down last week's games, and we look forward to the weekend games. Yeah, you guys can find us at uh, marchchargepodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at marchchargepod, at marchchargebaker. Love interacting with you guys. Keep it up. Uh, Just been fun to watch all these games and kind of go back and forth. I know Vance Vance and I are always lurking on Twitter just uh, when there's Valley games going on, so uh, definitely tweet at us as – as uh, your thoughts come across and uh, you know, I'd love to hear from you guys. If, uh, if you, if you disagree with anything we've said or agree or to have any thoughts of your own on, uh, you know, what's better for the Valley, a split this weekend with the teams or, uh, you know, one team going to and oh, who knows? So uh, love your feedback. Love uh, talking to you guys. All right. And with that, I'll say go Valley. Start talking about the Valley. Why not?